Sound Opinions is supported by Goose Island, pairing beer and music since 1988. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago, Illinois. Listen critically, enjoy responsibly. What happened to music that meant something? The Who at the Kingdom or Kiss at the Coliseum. Where is the Misty Mountain Hop? Where is the is the smoke on the water? Where is the Iron Man of today? Hey, this is not a test. This is rock and roll. Many of us have had forbidden feelings we didn't dare share. But if you're a musician, what do you do? You write a song about it and play it for the entire world. I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. We'll reveal our favorite secret love songs. And what happens when Bob Dylan does Sinatra? That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. This is Sound Opinions, and later in the show, we're going to talk about Bob Dylan's fondness for Frank Sinatra. Of course, where I'm from, Hoboken, New Jersey, Greg, everybody (laughs) loves Frank. One of the first stories I ever did as a young beat reporter, I covered Frank Sinatra stumping with Ronald Reagan when when he was running for re-election at St. Anne's Parish, and all the old ladies had made meatballs for this (laughs) dinner. The president ate the Secret Service food, Frank ate their meatballs, and boy, did they love him. (laughs) That's later. First, we've got some music news. One, two... Bring it to the folk. Snoop Doggy Dog and Dr. Dre is at the dope. Ready to make an entrance, so back on up. Before I have to pull the strap off the cut. Give me the microphone first so I can bust like a bubble. Compton and Lone Beach together, now you know you in trouble. Cause ain't nothing but a G thing, baby. Too low, death G, so we crazy. Death Row is the label that pays, man. Unfatable, so please don't try to fake this. Nothing but a G thing from Dr. Dre. That was for the label Death Row Records, which was run by Mary. Shug Knight, who is now facing life in prison, Jim. An incident on the scene of a movie the other night in Los Angeles, a hit and run. He is accused of murder and other charges in connection with that incident. A $2.2 million bail was revoked. When you think about Suge Knight, you know, I think about a parallel, maybe Phil Spector, this exalted producer, executive, with this tremendous fall from grace. Suge Knight has had a number of legal difficulties in past years, but nothing quite like this. And, you know, that label was everything for West Coast hip-hop fans. Dr. Dre, uh, Tupac Shakur was on that label, Snoop Dogg, hit after hit after hit. Suge Knight was uh, behind many of them. The label went bankrupt in 2006. It's uh, been a rough couple of years for Knight, culminating in this particular incident. Knight was taken to prison. His bail was revoked, as I said, suffered a panic attack while he was in prison, and as of this report, in the hospital. I think the walls in that cell are closing in. Wow. It's, uh, it's a rough ride here. And uh, the, the man who was killed was a former business associate, a man named Terry Carter, with whom Knight worked on a number of projects. He is the victim in this case. The second man who was injured in the incident is reportedly in critical condition. Just a small town girl Living in a lonely world She took the midnight train Going anywhere Just a city boy Born and raised in South Detroit He took the midnight train 
That is Journey with Don't Stop Believing, the most thumbed-up song on Pandora, the streaming music service. 20 million thumbs up. I don't know what that's about. We've talked a lot, Greg, about both sides of the issue. Artists complaining they're not making enough money from streaming audio. Other artists saying they're doing better than they used to with terrestrial radio. This is an interesting number. Sound Exchange, the nonprofit group formed 15 years ago to collect money for artists anytime their song is streamed on the net, is reporting that it paid $773 million in royalties in 2014. Why is that figure interesting? It's a 31% increase from the year before, which indicates that streaming really is coming on strong as a money generator for the music industry. And also, it shows that sound exchange collecting from internet plays is closing in on the old-fashioned rights organizations ASCAP and BMI. Most songwriters know those organizations. They've been around three-quarters of a century. BMI, which collects any time your song is played on radio, paid $840 million uh, last year. So, you know, sound exchange is closing in, which means streaming may well replace for artists what radio used to do. Everybody wants to get into the streaming business, including that that rap star and entrepreneur Jay-Z. Jay-Z is apparently bidding on a Swedish streaming company to expand his empire. He is closing in on a deal with a company called Aspiro, another player in the Apple-Spotify game of streaming Jay-Z wants in. And one more piece of news, Jim, in the uh, digital world. Uh, Spotify, which uh, seems to be expanding all over the world, has hit the brakes when it comes to Russia. There was uh, initial plans that in 2015, this year, they would be opening their service in Russia. But the executive who had been tentatively hired to do that says, that's not going to happen. I've just lost my job. And this executive said there are several reasons, the economic crisis, the political situation, the new laws governing the Internet. The ruble has uh, fallen off dramatically in uh, recent years. They were initially going to charge about 500 rubles or 7 U.S. bucks for the monthly subscription, but the ruble has lost 50% of its value. In addition, there are rumors that President Vladimir Putin is planning to clamp down on media and social networking sites in the country. So Spotify is saying, uh, we're not going to get in there so fast. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and that is the uh, disco soul band Atlantic Star with the song Secret Lover. Greg, Secret Loves is our Valentine's Day theme this year. We have a lot of fun with this holiday show. In the past, we've done Unrequited Love. We've done unconventional love. Happiness is a warm gun. So 
We've even done Love Stinks. Today, we're going undercover, all right? These are loves you cannot talk about. Why? They may be adulterous. They may be, uh, you may be too cowardly to profess your love. It may even be a little stalkerish at times, but I think these are all going to be mostly fun and upbeat. And to set the tone, I think I'm going to play the best secret love song of all time. If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. Now, that came from the Stax Records stable back in the day at the height of Stax's power, 1972, most memorably recorded by Luther Ingram, great soul man, lots of versions through the years. There's a great Rod Stewart version, but I'm going to play one that flips the script by the inimitable Millie Jackson, all right? What a character, Millie Jackson, born in Georgia, raised in Newark, New Jersey. In the early 70s, she was part of the soul R&B scene. She moved on to reign a bit during the disco era, but she's done everything. She even did country. She's known for really nasty live performances where her tunes are interspersed with these salacious monologues. She is a strong female character. So when she's singing, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right, you know, and she's she's changing the sex. Is it wrong to fall in love with a married woman? No, for her, it's a man. And uh, her answer is no, it ain't wrong. But she ain't going to talk about it. It's got to stay secret. Here's Millie Jackson from 1974 to kick us off on Secret Loves. If loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. the best 
Loving You Is Wrong, I Don't Want to Be Right, says Millie Jackson. And uh, one of the writers of that song, uh, Raymond Jackson, great Memphis songwriter, yeah. also hand, had a hand in writing this next song, Jim. It's by Johnny Taylor, uh, Who's Making Love, from 1968. Really put Taylor on the national map as a as a great soul star. You know, they called Johnny Taylor the philosopher of soul in Stax Records. <laughs> and, and Taylor was coming out of a gospel background. But when he started singing secular material, he sort of brought some of that church background, that preaching background, into his music. Uh, you know, he almost came across like an advice columnist or a marriage counselor in a lot of his songs. And he had a string of R&B hits, Cheaper to Keeper, Take Care of Your Homework, Jody's Got Your Girl and Gone, almost like he was giving advice to couples who are struggling through a marriage or a relationship and figuring out how to make it work. His uh, most famous song had to be, though, Who's Making Love? And uh, one of the songwriters in the song, there was four of them, Betty Crutcher, was, was saying that it was based on this 1920s novelty song, Who Takes Care of the Caretaker's Daughter? While the caretaker's busy taking care. That's a mouthful of words, <laughs> right? Wow. Well, this song is about Johnny Taylor knocking down some two-time and playboy type of guy down to size, saying, hey, listen, you think you're such a player. You're out there two-timing your woman. What do you think your woman is doing while you're out two-timing her? She's not just sitting around waiting for you back home. This is Johnny Taylor with Who's Making Love on Sound Opinions. <laughs> Give me now.
Johnny Taylor with Who's Making Love on Sound Opinions. Coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX, more of secret love tracks for Valentine's Day. Then it's Bob Dylan. He gives us his version of the Great American Songbook. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. And our theme is secret love songs. Love songs about love you can't talk about, except these musicians recorded it. Kind of like you and me, Greg. Uh, <laughs> secret loves, all right? Evan, our newest staff member, had a great suggestion. We, we often solicit suggestions from everybody here on the Sound Opinions team. We usually pay no attention to them, but this one's too good. I'd forgotten how very strange Babies, the song by Pulp, was. Most people probably heard it when it came out on His and Hers, their fourth studio album in 94. Big breakthrough for the band in the UK. Never as popular in the US, but those of us who love them, love them indeed. Mainly because of the very weird, eccentric, and funny personality of band leader Jarvis Cocker. It's about Jarvis talking about a young boy, maybe himself, who is hanging out with a school chum, a young girl. They hear her older sister with a boyfriend. This gets them excited. They want to be closer to the action. They hide in the wardrobe and they spy on this. This gets the kid all excited, the boy, about the young girl or the sister. It's kind of hard to tell. He's falling in love. He can't say anything about it because, quote, you might go tell your mother. Years later, he's in a more mature relationship. She's having his babies. And he's still wishing that his current love was either the girl or the sister from back in the day in the wardrobe. And so this is strange on like four or five different levels here. Jarvis may have been sharing too much of his secret. It's a great song nonetheless. Babies by Pulp from 1994 on Sound Opinions. Well, it happened years ago. When you lived on Stanford Road. 
by Jarvis Cocker and Pulp. Greg, have you got another secret love song? Absolutely, Jim. I want to go to California in 92, Farside, that great psychedelic hip-hop group out of the West Coast. In the midst of the gangster rap era, here were Farside making these really trippy records with some great MCs. I mean, they had four top-notch MCs in this group, and each of them get a verse on this track that I'm going to play called Passin' Me By. Basically, this is a litany of schoolboy crushes, which all eventually end up in a form of heartbreak, uh, unrequited, but they never even get to the stage where they can be unrequited because they don't have the courage to fess up to their true feelings <laughs> about who it is they're going after. So, yeah, maybe there's a little stalkerish feel to some of these lines, but I think it all plays out pretty sweetly and charmingly because they're really talking about, you know, being schoolboys who don't have the courage to own up to their feelings or at least let the other person know how they feel. One verse is about a teacher. Everybody's gone through that, right? The crush on the teacher in in grade school. And then there's another one where he's writing a, a letter to the girl he wants, but the letter comes back, returned to sender, unopened. Remember that? When people actually sent letters? But it includes the most famous lines in the song, My dear, my dear, my dear, you do not know me, but I know you very well. Um, (laughs) So here we go. We've got Farside with Pass Me By from 1992 on Sound Opinions. Oh, wow, I wish I could hold a hand and give her a hug. She was married to the man, he was the thug, his name was Lee, he drove his 
dream of fairy tales. I think of me and Shelly. See, she's my type of hype, and I can't stand what brothers tell me. That I should quit chasing and look for something better. But the smile that she shows makes me a go-getter. I haven't gone as far as asking if I could get with her. I just play love by ear and hope she gets the picture. I'm shooting for her heart, got my finger on the trigger. She can be my broad, and I can be her. And I can be her. All I can do is stay up. Back as kids, we used to kiss when we played Truth the Day. Now she's more sophisticated, highly educated, not at all overrated. I think I need a prayer to get in a book, and it looks rather dry. I guess a twinkle in her eye is just a twinkle in her eye. Although she's crazy stepping, I'll try and stop the stride, cause I won't have no more of this passive vibe. Time for me to voice my opinion, can be pretending she didn't have me. Sprung like a chicken, chasing my tail like a doggy. She was kind of like a star, thinking I was like a fan. Damn, she looked good. Downside, she had a man. He was a Rudy, too. A Nick and Poop. She told me soon your little birdie's gonna fly the coop. She was a flake like corn, and I was born not to understand. My letting the past, I proved to be a better man. I wasn't such a wimp Cause then I would let you know That I love you so And if I was your man Then I would be true The only lying I would do Is in the bed with you Then I signed to Cinder The one who loves you dearly P.S. love me tender But the latter came back Three days later Returned to Cinder Passing Me By by Farside Really cool psychedelic rap A good secret love song, Greg I got one for you now I don't know if you're gonna Come down this road with me I'ma play Olivia Newton-John Alright? <laughs> I'm sorry it was like kind of a, a grade school thing when she became the bad girl in Greece. That was very alluring to me. I have a story about like a seventh or eighth grade dance and a slow dance with this song. I ain't going to tell that. That's going to stay secret. Yeah. All right. But I Honestly Love You is a pretty great song, and it's a song about a secret love. If we were both born in another place in time, the moment might be ending in a kiss, but there you are with yours, here I am with mine, so I guess we're just leaving it at this. Olivia, huh? You're this little bad girl from Greece on this song. Now, look. I went back to the original version, 1974. It's too syrupy for me to play. Even with my memories and what it does for me, I can't play it. In 1998, she re-recorded it, much older, Olivia, with Babyface, the the R&B producer. So this version has a little more soul, and it has Babyface on backing vocals. I hope you'll forgive me for playing Olivia. It could have been worse. I could have played something from the perfect soundtrack. Here's Olivia Newton-John. I honestly love you on Sound Opinions. Tell you 
Honestly, love you from Olivia Newton-John and Babyface. And you're, you're now. Let me get this straight, Jim. You're saying the Babyface contribution makes this song better because it wasn't very good to start with, but well, we're still playing the song. It, it's a little less <laughs> syrupy because the first version is really syrupy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just saturated in Miss Butterworth. That's all, <laughs> that's what I can tell you. I mean, I I don't quite understand how Babyface could have saved that song, even if he was the most soulful dude uh, on the planet, it's, 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 which it's, it's, he is not. It's a secret. I won't go on. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get this show back on the right track here. I'm, uh, I'm going to go with Portishead from 94, Glory Box. That song, to me, is a song brimming with deep, dark secrets. And if you ever see the video for that song, you ought to check it out, because everybody in the video is dressed in drag, basically kind of doing an impersonation of themselves or of their, of their true selves. And I think it's a metaphor for what's going on in the lyrics here. Beth Gibbons is saying that I'm so tired of playing, playing with this bow and arrow. And she wants to give herself over to this guy. But she's so used to playing the other role where guys are approaching her that she doesn't know how to do that. She wants this guy to give her some kind of a sign that he is worth giving up everything for. But she can't quite get to that place where she can go up to him and ask him. It's almost like a private conversation with herself or with a friend, but she can't approach her intended with her true feelings. So this is all about guarding those feelings and when do you come out and truly reveal your true self. It's Glory Box from Portishead in 1994 on Sound Opinions. Playing with this bow and arrow 
That's one of my favorite secret love songs, Glory Box from Portishead on Sound Opinions. And we want you to share your secret, or at least your secret love song. What track best illustrates secret crushes, forbidden feelings, and emotions you can't talk about? Call 888-859-1800. We'll be back with our final picks and a review of the latest from Bob Dylan in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX. Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott. My partner is Jim DeRogatis, and we are running down some of our favorite secret love songs of all time. We've each got time for one more, Jim. What's your last one going to be? Greg, you were talking about Portishead having a hot video with that tune you just played earlier. This video by Sophie B. Hawkins for her big hit, Damn, I Wish I Was Your Lover, was deemed, quote, too erotic and banned by MTV in 1992. Remember what MTV was playing in 92, all those gangster rap videos with half naked Yeah, unbelievable stuff. This is a great song. Sophie describes herself as an omnisexual in her real life. She's had male lovers. She's had female lovers. It's hard to tell exactly who she is singing this song to, but throughout the tune, she's referencing some great love songs from throughout rock history. At one point she sings, if I was your girl, believe me, I'd turn on the Rolling Stones. We could groove along and feel much better. Later she's talking about walking through heaven's door, but she can't express this love at the end of the day because I'm feeling like a schoolboy, too shy and too young. Damn, I wish I was your lover. It's part exasperation. It's part exclamation. comes up again and again. It's a great chorus in this tune. In 2008, she re-recorded this as Damn, We Wish You Were President for Hillary Clinton. Didn't work there. I don't know if it ever worked with the person she had this big secret love for. Either way, it's a great song. Sophie B. Hawkins, Damn, I Wish I Was Your Lover from 1992 on Sound Opinions. Dog has changed you up all right Give you everything you need to live inside a twisted cage Sleep inside an empty rage I had a dream I was your hero Damn, I wish I was your lover I'd rock you till the daylight comes With you, you are smiling and warm Thank you. 
Hawkins, damn, I wish I was your lover. Greg, what is your last secret love song? Well, Jim, when we were kicking this idea around initially, the first song that popped in my head was this one, Me and Mrs. Jones from oh, Billy yeah. Paul, 1972, started that Philly soul era. And this was co-written by Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff, the great songwriting and production team that was really the heart and soul of Philly soul in the 70s. Billy Paul was this smooth, jazzy singer, but what I love about this song and what Gamble and Huff did in creating this kind of drama built around just a little daily rendezvous at a cafe is the way Paul expresses himself. You get that sort of smoothness in it, the strings behind it. He's, you know, kind of dreamily in love with this woman that he shouldn't be in love with. But then when he hits that chorus, the desperation in his voice starts to take hold and the joy at the same time. The horns and the strings build and he sings, me and Mrs. Jones, it's a cry of need. He's shouting to the heavens, I love this woman. And yet, you know, we have this secret love affair that we can't tell anybody about. You know, we got to be extra careful. And there's this long pause not to get our hopes up too high. (laughs) You know, we got to be extra careful, you know, and you think he's going to say not to tell anybody else. But he realizes that this road is going to end in disappointment for both of them because if the secret gets out, everything's going to be ruined. So there's all these little soap opera dramatics going on underneath the layers of this song, and this, I love it for that reason. This show could definitely be followed by the horrible heartbreak <laughs> show and the, the dissolution show. Yeah, no, it's a great piece of pop music. It was a huge hit in 1972. Billy Paul with Me and Mrs. Jones on Sound Opinions. Me and Mrs. Jones Got a thing going on. We both know that it's wrong, but it's much too strong to let it go now. We meet every day. Same cafe, 6.30 Yeah, no one knows she'll be there Holding hands Making all kinds of plans While the jukebox plays
both and know that it's wrong But it's much too strong To let it go now We gotta be extra careful That we don't build our hopes up too high Cause she's got her own obligations And so, and so do I Me and Mrs. Mrs. Jones Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones, Mrs. Jones. We got a thing Me and Mrs. Jones by Billy Paul, Greg's pick. It wraps up our Secret Love Song show. To see our complete list and to share yours, visit soundopinions.org. I'm a fool to want you. I'm a fool to want you. Want a love that can't be true, a love that's there for others too. I'm a fool to hold you. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and that's Bob Dylan. I'm a fool to want you from his new album, Shadows in the Night. Everybody's been talking about this album for the last few weeks because the big rumor was it's going to be Dylan doing Frank Sinatra. And lo and behold, that's what we got. His 36th studio album since the early 60s. Remember that kid who came from Minnesota and completely remade the New York Greenwich Village folk scene? What's interesting to me about this guy lately, Jim, is that in the 90s, he sort of reinvented himself, starting with that Time Out of Mind album with Daniel Lenoir in 97, subsequent to that, basically becoming his own producer. He's finally gotten around to recording an entire album of standards. That's what he's doing here. But it's not a conventional standards record. He is building it around songs that were all recorded by Frank Sinatra, 10 songs under 40 minutes. We're going to play a track from it first, then we're going to come back and review it. This is a track called Why Try to Change Me Now from Bob Dylan on Sound Opinions. I'm sentimental, so I walk in the rain. I've got some habits, even I can't explain. Could start for the corner, turn up in speed. Why try to change me now? I sit and daydream I've got daydreams galore Cigarette ashes Then they go on the floor I'll go away weekends And leave my keys in the door But why try to change me now? Oh, 
Why Try to Change Me Now by Bob Dylan from Shadows in the Night, depending on how you count studio album number 36 or so. All right. You know, look, Greg, Dylan and his influence are inescapable. So, too, are Frank Sinatra's, I would say. But they don't go well together. It's been impossible to escape rock critics fawning on this record. I don't get it. Sinatra's magic in interpreting these standards by great songwriters, you know, Irving Berlin, Rodgers and Hammerstein, was the subtlety of his vocal nuances. Dylan is just flat. His voice is shot. When Dylan is being Dylan, when Dylan is singing material that that suits Dylan from the folk or country backgrounds, it's a great voice. I don't think it works here. Even stripping down the arrangements to get rid of the big brass and string arrangements of of Frank's uh, classic era. You know, musically, the album's okay, but I don't think Dylan is buying a word of these lyrics. I don't think he does anything with his voice. Rock critics just, you know, they love Dylan, and then Sinatra's important, and, you know, they're giving him a pass. I I found this painful to listen to. Not as bad as his Christmas record, but almost. It's a trash it. Wow. You know, there have been a lot of critics, actually, that have panned this record. There's no doubt about it. And it starts with Dylan's voice. I understand that. Not a lot of people are big fans of Dylan's voices. Even some of his great champions, uh, you know, have to say that his voice is in ruins the last 10, 15 years. I've seen some really bad Dylan concerts, and I was with you when we panned that Christmas album a few years ago that he did. (laughs) I thought it was a joke. And I thought this album was going to be another joke. What a goof. Look at Dylan. But he has sprinkled enough of these standards through his album in recent years or done songs in that vein that leads me to believe there's a genuine appreciation of this stuff and it expresses a side of himself that he's not comfortable expressing in his own writing. In other words, the romanticism and the sort of the ruined sense of romance. What I also like about this record, you you sort of poo-pooed the production here, but I think it's really one of the strengths of this record. If you compare this work to not only Sinatra's recordings but any other standards record, This is very different, very stripped down, and whereas Sinatra, you always got the sense of in his darker records, which this is definitely referencing, he's the guy sitting at the end of the saloon singing these songs to you. There's like a post-midnight big city vibe to it. When I'm hearing this Dylan record, I'm hearing Open Prairie and a guy, you know, kind of a Western feel to it, and and the the prominence of Donnie Heron playing that pedal steel gives it a whole different kind of noirish post-midnight vibe, but in this wide-open plane. Finally, I will say this about the voice. 
I get it. But I will say he's sounding more comfortable than ever in some ways, singing these kind of at barely above a whisper levels. And I will compare it to two late period career albums from a completely different genre, from a completely different era that I compare it favorably to. The Lady in Satin, Billie Holiday of the 50s. Her voice was in ruins. A lot of people hate that record. I hated it at first, too, being a big Billie Holiday fan. Now it's one of my favorite records. It was just like this beautiful wreck of a voice. And You're simi- getting all rock crazy. And similarly for Chet Baker, another guy who just completely ruined his voice, the great trumpet player, would sing these ballads late in his career that would just break your heart. And I think Dylan is kind of in a similar place here. So, so, so I just want to get this straight. You enjoy, you take pleasure from this record. I, I found myself, despite what I thought I would think, liking this record. I would not say it is a great Dylan record by any stretch. But if you care for Dylan at all, I would definitely say try it. See, I honestly would rather listen to Olivia Newton-John. Oh, you're nuts. That may be, but what do we have on the show next week? Next week, Jim, we have the great hip-hop duo, Killer Mike and LP, Run the Jewels, is going to be our guest next week. Greg, as always, we have some thank yous to say. Sound Opinions is produced by Robin Lynn, Jason Saldana, Evan Chung, and our intern, Alex Claiborne. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So now it's time to hear what you have to say. New messages. Hey, Greg and Jim. This is uh, Jimmy Linetti in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And the Tom Petty news with that Sam Smith song. You know, it immediately makes me think of uh, the ill-fated replacements tour with Tom Petty when the replacements were touring behind Don't Tell a Soul, and they had their one minor hit with uh, I'll Be You, which included the line, uh, Rebel Without a Clue. Lo and behold, after that tour, Tom Petty has another song that became a hit for him, Into the Great Wide Open, with the line, Rebel Without a Clue. Into the Great Wide Open Under the skies of blue Out in the Great Wide Open A rebel without a clue Mr. Petty really needs to look in the mirror or at least give Paul Westerberg Anka that 25% of Stay With Me he's getting. Greg, Greg, and Jim, thanks. Keep up the great work. Yes, hello. Uh, this is Steve. I'm from Omaha. I was just going to comment on The Grateful Dead without Jerry Garcia. The Grateful Dead really is not The Grateful Dead without Jerry Garcia. His uh, guitar playing and his tonality with his guitar really defined what the Grateful Dead sounded like. It really defined their sound. There are certain bands you cannot really carry on without key members of the band. I just saw the Dead Kennedys without Jello Biafra, and they're not the same without Jello Biafra. Yeah, that's basically what I have to say. Thanks, Mike. You 
to lead must follow But if you fall, you fall alone If you should stand Then who's to guide you? If I knew the way I would take you home My name is Ashlyn. I am in the South Loop of Chicago. Hi there. Just wanted to say I love your show. I'm having a driveway moment. I can't go in my house yet because I'm stuck listening in my car. So you got me. Ha <laughs> um, You were commenting on Lupe Fiasco's new album and one of the lyrics, Sanskrit Dance on the Book of the Dead, I believe... He is talking about the Quran. Sanskrit dance on the page of the dead book. Don't leave the rest room with the left foot. Flags of Tibet, 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 to death. Flesh, that would be a very artistic way of saying something religious that isn't offensive. And that's my opinion on that sound. Thanks, guys. Have I been this? Realize my begin when I find where my end is. Oedipus Rex. Hey guys, just heard your review of Lupe's newest album. Uh, I've been listening to the Delivered for about, uh, on a loop for about the last two or three days. I live on the south side of Chicago, and I just think there are very few artists that basically can, can paint the picture of the neighborhood that I live in like Lupe did. No more messages. To give us your opinions on Sound Opinions, call our hotline, 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week with more Sound Opinions, produced by WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX. Mm-hmm.